Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm a feminist, but... But um, this is true. I'm flying to Australia on Tuesday to tour, and I genuinely haven't had time to have a wax. And I know, as a feminist, why does it matter? Why does it matter that there's hair on my body? It shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter. But I'm on tour now until I go to Australia, and I'm desperately hoping that there's a waxer in the audience. (laughs) This is not a joke. As someone who could somehow, like, feel strongly enough about the guilty feminist that they would come to my hotel room in the morning with some hot wax that they would plug in, that I need everything done and I will pay a lot of money. <laughs> Do you understand what Australia is? You, you have to come off glowing and smooth. I, I know you don't, but seriously, just give me a cheer if you do beautician services or you just have home hot wax and you think, sounds fun. Give us a cheer. Nobody? Guys, I really need your help. I feel like I've given a lot of feminism over the years and it's all I need is someone to pour hot wax on my genitalia and rip it off hard. There must be someone who knows a beautician in Newcastle. Okay, all right. Listen, if anyone changes their mind or just has a, a bick for her, raise up. <laughs> then let me know. <laughs> I'm a feminist but uh, On hot days like this, sometimes I think to myself, Jesus, I wish I didn't have tits. Like, because uh, titty sweat, it's a special type of sweat, isn't it? 
viscosity-wise and stuff. Like, if I was to describe my sweat, it would be, like, stuck, like a broth. I would describe it as a broth. But tit sweat, that's like consomme. There's just, uh, it's had more time to cook. Well, I would recommend a beautician treatment for it here in Newcastle, but apparently nobody's working this weekend. <laughs> I don't believe there's no beauticians in the house. I don't know, Deborah. Look, look, there's I'm... nothing bad with body hair. I call it flavour savers. Uh, as... <laughs> no? There's is that not helping? Wrong with it? I just, look, I'm Generation X. And yeah. It's, yeah? I mean, this is the thing is, when these young millennials grow all their hair out and dye it pink and stuff, yeah. it looks like a political statement. When I do it, it just looks like I've let myself go. Yeah. People are like, mm, she's withdrawn from the race. Do you, do you know what I love? It's like, I, I, um, I, I, I never really shaved my body hair because I wasn't arsed. Well, you that's know? a political statement in itself. You you've got, so? you, you're too busy out there resisting and doing art. To be standing around in the shower trying to find hard to reach bits with a razor. If you call resisting uh, playing The Sims and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm resisting, mate. You know? I'm a feminist, but. It's so nice to be here. And I've been on the whole tour with Deborah. And today we were in the green room and she was telling me about some possible great career news that might be coming her way. Um, and it was quite intense and everyone was really happy for her. But the whole time I kept thinking, did you do something with your hair? <laughs> and there was no point where I could. So I'm going to ask now, did you do something with your hair? I'm so glad you noticed. And I'm absolutely okay with that upstaging any and all career news. Uh, listen, my regular colorist was not available. And a lady in King's Cross who... I just discovered, she was the only one with an appointment. And when, she said, any time you want. And when I got there, it was just one lady in a dress shop on her own with one chair. Mm. And when she took me out the back, she locked the door. <laughs> and she was, it was very casual. And she put blonde highlights in it, which I hadn't asked for, but I actually am feeling quite beachy. It generally. looks amazing. Thank you. It does. I'd also like that all of your um, self-care experiments are quite random. Yeah. <laughs> Come like to that. my hotel room. <laughs> I Listen, I've begged this audience to come to my hotel room and pour hot wax on me and... Listen, it's... That sounds like a normal comic's request of any gig. <laughs> yeah. By the way, if there's anyone here to like to pour hot wax on me after my hotel room, it feels very male comedian-y. Do you it know does. what I mean? I mean, I am quite kinky, but not for that. Although I do enjoy the pain of a wax. Really? It makes me feel alive. Do you know what I mean? That's, it's something that makes me feel like, yeah, I can fight the patriarchy. I can withstand torture. It makes me feel alive. I, I guess like it's like having a tattoo. It's like, you know. I thread my own moustache. Oh, Whoa. threading, no. Threading, no. Yeah. No, I can't do it. I, I, be I have begged threaders to stop, and they won't. They keep going. They're like, you paid now. I'm like, I will pay you double to stop. <laughs> I literally said, give it to charity at one point. I what, said, the hair? Or... No, I was like, donate the rest of the threading. She said, I've only done one side. I said, donate the rest, donate the other eyebrow to charity. I think that's how they make those fake moustaches you can buy. <laughs> Listen, 100% no. So uh, I'm a feminist, but... Sometimes when I'm on public transport, I like to pretend to read Sylvia Plath. 
<laughs> but really, it's just a dust jacket, and I'm actually reading Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> <laughs> or worse. <laughs> What's worse? I couldn't possibly tell you. Only Dan Brown is worse. <laughs> Now we definitely need to know. <laughs> She'll show us backstage. Maybe yeah. I'll show you in the green room. It's Thank fine. you. And I'll tweet it to all of you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm a feminist, but... Uh, um, I'm putting, like, some comedy shows on and, like, uh, social... Like, promoting stuff is a pain in the ass. It's horrible. And I'm out of, like, creative ways to promote it. So uh, earlier, in order to boost ticket sales, I just posted a picture of me in a bikini. I saw that. I don't care. (laughs) Well, it's fucking up. It's going to be cool, and I think people should know about it. And if I have to lay my tits on the line, then... If I have to get more likes because of my body... Well, the the podcast now, it's going to be a live show like this, and it's going to be podcast, it's going to be like this, and the House of the Guilty Feminist is producing it. She co-signs my actions of getting naked on the internet. Well, hold on, I didn't. What I saw was I was sent through all of these beautiful marketing designs and it was all really mm-hmm. lovely and I was, would you, the beige or the grey or the, I, yeah. I really like the beige but I think the red could be great for this. I've signed so many things off. I've had so many consultations and meetings and I just, before I came on stage, I looked on Kim's Instagram and she went, yeah, basically fuck that. Here's a picture of me in a bikini, come. Yeah. And I was like, I'm fairly sure I didn't sign it's this off. It's It's just, uh, I'm trying to work the algorithm, man. You know, <laughs> Instagram these days is really showing you more people, like more reels and shit than the people you actually follow. And how do you cut through the noise? Belly button. <laughs> Well, listen, it's worked for me. I'll definitely be there. And otherwise, I wouldn't have come, even though I'm producing it. That's not true. Are you going to be in a bikini on the night, though? I haven't decided. (laughs) Just what will it do for the turnout, you know? (laughs) Okay, well, look, if it helps tonight to just get ready for it, feel free to slip off the hoodie. Great. And whatever's underneath, we'll accept. It's a little tank top. start the show! Then welcome, welcome, welcome to the Guilty Feminist! A huge round of applause for Alison Spittle, Celia A.B., Bridie and Kima Bob! Four incredible women you'll be seeing on more of this evening! I find the music goes on a bit longer than my introduction, so I've added a little dance. Um, Hello, Newcastle. We're back and we're live. And you've come out. Do you know, the last time we were in Newcastle, I often think towns have different flavours to them when I'm on tour. I always say Dublin knows how to bring a rock concert to a podcast recording. It's like, it is. We, go to, we play Vicar Street. Alison Spittle and I always go and do it together. The last time she had COVID and it was Kima Bob. And it's a rock concert. They just bring a rock concert. Glasgow bring a revolution, no question. We recently did the RSC, and they brought a Radio 4 show. Um, I told them, though, I told them Sheffield brought a sort of, uh, I don't know, it was like a series of waves of chaos, and the RSC then pulled their act up, because as much as you are judging us, we are judging you. 
backstage. Oh, they talk about it backstage. They're like, yeah, they're all right. Or no, oh, they're really good. That's how comedians talk about audiences. Um, last time we were in Newcastle, I can only describe it as a riot. Um, somebody said there was like a loo issue. Was anyone here? Does anyone remember this? Okay, does anyone, everyone remembers the lavatory riot of 2019? Like people, if you weren't there, if you weren't there, were you there, sir? I don't want to, sorry, I don't want to assume your gender, but are you sir? Yes? Um, were you there? Were you were there? Well, you don't remember the 2019 lavatory riot, the guilty feminist in Newcastle. So we were at a different venue. Does anyone remember what the venue was? City Hall, yeah. They say you can't fight City Hall. They're wrong. <laughs> because we went backstage and we were, I don't know, having pizza or something. And then we saw all these tweets coming in. And there was, a, I would say, it wasn't a quiet revolution. People were turning chairs upside down. What happened was, obviously, our audience is largely female and people of minority genders. That's the truth. Um, and... Somebody at Town Hall said that no one could use the male lose unless they were like a cisgendered man or something. You can imagine how that went down with our crowd. <laughs> there was tweets. There was like a whole campaign. Amnesty International were brought in. <laughs> and when I came back out, we said, please let them use... We have a gender-neutral loo policy. Like, anyone can use anything. I mean, it doesn't matter to us, you know. Anyway, they didn't respect that at Newcastle Town Hall. And so various people here, just give us a cheer if you objected and you just stormed the other loo. Excellent. You did, you did, but in a way that sounds like you were bored at the time. Yes! Another day, another revolution in Newcastle. Another day of just not doing what the man tells me to do. Another day of smashing that patriarchy right in the face. Uh, you're now in a royal box. Are you... Are you, in fact, aristocracy? Because it feels a lot like, you know, it's sort of just sent... No? Are you grand in Newcastle? I feel like you've got some kind of... You just bought a box. Yeah. What do you do? You work in sexual health. I've found that my audience really do one of three things. Um, they do something very important for the community. They work in literacy or with displaced people, or they are writing an academic dissertation on Virginia Woolf. <laughs> Those are the only three things people in my audience do. I don't know why I was hoping to find a waxer. It's just... It was pie in the sky. I just thought, there must be some waxers. There, no, there are not. There are not. I need to get more beauticians in. Uh, just give us a cheer if you do something... Uh, if your job, in some way, shape or form, might be, like, in sexual health, might have something to do with feminism. One, two, three... Just give us a cheer if your job just feeds the patriarchy. <laughs> yes. Just what does your do, job do if it feeds the patriarchy? Just shout out. I work for Durham University. You work for Durham University? <laughs> That's a Newcastle joke, isn't it? I'm not sure I get that. Is that about how Durham University is very posh? Right, right, right. And it's just full of um, posh people who didn't get into Oxford or Cambridge. And you have to go and feed the southerners' egos while they swan about drinking champagne and dropping their dry cleaning off in a cab while being first-year undergraduates. And you serve them. 
like the old Herovian rugby playing, yacht owning twats that they are. Is that right? Is that your life? What do you do for them? Career service. You help those boys get careers in the city so that they can create more boom and bust and a lack of sustainability. You help them get jobs in fracking. I see. I see how it goes. I hope you fuck them up secretly. I hope, I hope, I hope that behind the scenes you're working as a double agent. That's, that's, anyone else do something for that they feel like, oh, fuck this. For a game of soldiers. We won't say your name when we put it out into the podcast. And we can distort your voice if you want. But honestly, those men are not listening to this show. It's fine. It's fine. Yep. Yes, what do you do? I'm a civil servant. You're a civil servant? For the Tory party? No, you're not. No, 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 no. All civil servants have to work for whatever government's in. Don't blame her for the Tories being in. She didn't vote for them. You didn't vote for them, did you? No. She didn't vote for them. She didn't vote for them, but she can't help it. That's who, if you're a civil servant, whoever's in, that's who you're working for. And has anyone got a job now that does, that is, you feel like is feminist? Just give us a cheer. Yes, what's yours? You're a woman's health physio. Excellent. Anyone else? Anyone got a skill that they think they could somehow disrupt the Conservative Party with? Yes? You're an independent advocate and you predominantly work with hate crime victims. Okay, interesting. I would like to hear more about that. But when you say hate crime victims, so do you work for the government as well? No, independent, of course. Yes, you said that. Are you friends? No. You're just sitting next to each other. You can fight crime. You can literally fight crime, but she can work on the inside for you. This is, this is a fantastic thing. Um, oh my God, this is so exciting. And you just happen to have sat next to each other. Did you come alone? You've come alone. And you have you have you come with someone? Okay, so you are oh, there's three of you. Do you need a fourth for your girl band? I found a friend. I found you a friend. I'm so excited about this. They're your new friends. Have drinks with them at interval plan feminism things. Okay. Oh, I'm so excited. Does anyone need help with anything feminist? Yes. What's yours? Okay, you're an all-female comedy sketch group. You're going to the Edinburgh Festival. You need lots of money. What's it called? Your Aunt Fanny. The show is called Muff Said. Your Aunt Fanny. That's the name of the group. And the name of the show is Muff Said. Are you with your mum? She's finding this very funny. Much funnier than my mother would find it if I were doing that show. I don't. My mother doesn't really approve of this show. I'm, I'm incredibly impressed. And, and uh, your mum, can I just ask, sorry, what's your name? My Yeah, it's fine to say your name. You're going to be a big star, so. I'm Izzy. Izzy. So you're Izzy from Aunt Fanny Said. Yeah. Your Aunt Fanny. Your Aunt Fanny, <laughs> Muff Said. Okay. Izzy. Yeah. Okay, what's your name, sir? Kevin. Kevin, you have to remember all of this, okay? <laughs> Kevin. Yeah, if you could, you're going to be my secretary because I think we need to put the patriarchy to work. Now. <laughs> You said you're going to write it down. You've not pulled your phone out to write it down. <laughs> Don't promise to do things you're not going to do, Kevin. So her name's Izzy. Her name's Izzy. Muff said, is the ne- put that in your notes. Muff said, 
your aunt Fanny. Okay. Izzy, Izzy, your mum, what's your name? Izzy's mum? I don't know, you probably have a feminist, don't define people as people's mums. Judith, Judith. And do you think Izzy's, do you think Izzy's comedy is funny? Amazing. <laughs> and do you listen to the Guilty Feminists together? Uh, yes, we do. Oh. I can also tell you, yes. Your dad thinks. So her grandfather. Yes. Well, this is wonderful. This is different generations changing the older generations, isn't it? Because if you've converted your grandfather to what sounds like quite filthy comedy, <laughs> it's really, I'm really impressed. And it's sketch, is it? Where are you performing at the Edinburgh Festival? Uh, assembly Rooms. Assembly Rooms, that's fancy. Yeah. Um, and you're representing Newcastle? Did she say, and Gateshead? <laughs> um, so you're, you're representing Newcastle and Gateshead? In the, at the end of the, and how much money do you need? Uh, like a good, like, 20 grand. <laughs> For sketch comedy? Are you kidding? Oh, the accommodation's eight and a half grand. But how will you get that money back? Because I know how the Edinburgh Fringe works, and it's really hard. How, what's, have you got a budget so you could make it back if you sold out? Okay. So basically, we have to give you the money. You're not going to ever give it back to us. Okay. All right. Well, the guilty feminist will give you 100 quid. Yeah, we'll give you 100 quid. Um, and so email me, guiltyfeminist at gmail.com. I'm not putting that on the podcast because I'll get so many requests. And I, can only, I can't afford very much. So I'm gonna, but I'll give you 100 quid. And Kevin, are you a feminist? Would you say you're a feminist, Kevin? Yes. Yes. We, some of the time. Front row, Kevin. <laughs> Come to the girls' premise, Kevin. That's my wife. Yes, yeah, it's her fault. What that you're in the front row. She's brought you here to learn, Kevin. She's not having you skulking up the back, Kevin. Okay, what do you mean some of the time? When are you not? When are you not a feminist, Kevin? Sometimes. Okay, Kevin, I'm just going to speak to your wife. What's your name? Rachel. Rachel, yeah. How, how do you feel about... You're crying, but I don't know if it's with laughter. Um, is Kevin a feminist, in your opinion? Yes, he is. Okay, great. What do you do for a living, Kevin? Financial advisor, so you would have a fair contribution to... Because if you want to be... Would you say you'd like to be more of a feminist? Is that a goal of yours? Because there's a feminist in need, and she's, she's representing Newcastle and Gateshead. She's not doing it for feminism. She's there's Judith, so proud of her. She's convincing that her grandfather, that, you know, times have changed and women are entitled to speak up and take the stage, and that every frightened of their sexuality, they can call their shows names with muff in it. It's great what she's doing. I think you'll agree, Kevin. And as a financial advisor, presumably you have some money. Otherwise, your advice is worthless. No one's coming to you for advice, Kevin, if you don't have money, because you're just going to lose mine. Fair. So you must have some expendable income, Kevin, is that correct? Okay, great. So how much, if I'm committing £100, what would you commit to F Fanny Muff Show? I'd have to ask my wife. I'll have to ask my wife. Okay. I can ask her, because she's right there. Rachel, how much should Kevin give? 
if the guilty feminist is giving £100 to this sketch, sketch effort, do you think he should match it or double it? <laughs> it's one of those. It has, he has to give £100 or £200, I think. Otherwise, at the interval, it's going to be really awkward when people go, oh, Kevin, you're a bit tight. <laughs> it's not what we thought from a man who came to sit in the front row of the guilty feminist, you know. Um, so, I mean, Rachel, it's, up to, it's really up to you. Kevin's left it to you, which is so nice. What do you do for a living, Rachel? Very junior doctor. Well, listen, you don't have to give anything because you work, you work for the NHS, right? So you and Kevin just chat to each other and then, you know... No, seriously, Kevin, there's no pressure. At all. But look at her. How old are you? Is that okay to ask? She's only 23. She's trying to... Anyway, okay... If anyone would like to give anything to your Aunt Fanny, you have a GoFundMe. Okay, well maybe everyone can chip in. You know, if everyone in this room chipped in a hundred, a, a quid each, or two quid, or five quid, or whatever you can afford, we could absolutely send uh, some brilliant female comics from. I shouldn't really say female comics. Some brilliant comics who happen to be women uh, to represent Newcastle and Gateshead at the Edinburgh Festival. Um, so we'll check out your GoFundMe. Um... Hello there, this is Tom, the producer of The Guilty Feminist. Deborah is in Australia at the moment and can't get to a microphone, but I wanted to jump on and quickly tell you about a couple of things we've got coming up because they're really exciting. After a couple of years off, for reasons I don't need to go into... We are back at the Edinburgh Fringe. We will be doing four shows at the Gilded Balloon Teviot, the 25th to the 28th of August at 2pm. It's going to be all of the Guilty Feminist fun and games that you're used to, with a bit of an Edinburgh twist. We'll have different shows every day with different co-hosts, Celia AB, Jessica Foster Q, Cindy V and Alison Spittle. So if you wanted to, you could come to all four. But even if you just came to one, we'd be delighted to see you. So that's the 25th to the 28th of August, 2pm at the Gilded Balloon at the Edinburgh Fringe. And speaking of festivals, we are also going to be part of the London Podcast Festival. We are doing a special mashed-up show with Brown Girls Do It Too, the incredible podcast from Poppy and Rabina. This special once-in-a-lifetime mashup is on Saturday the 10th of September at 7pm. For more information about this and to buy tickets, go to guiltyfeminist.com. And now, back to the podcast. Um, are we ready for your first incredible comedian? She's a Guilty Feminist regular. You love her. She's one of your favourite ever co-hosts. And she's going up to Edinburgh this year with... Why are you laughing? Oh. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Alison. She's going up to Edinburgh this year with a show called Wet, which you are also very welcome to donate to, Kevin. Put your hands together making incredible woohoo noises for the wonderful Alison Spittle! Oh my gosh, so I have to tell you, I got this tattoo done here in Newcastle about 12 years ago. Um, what happened was I was staying in the railway, is it the, the Royal Railway Hotel? The one beside the train station. And um, 
I, came, I, I, I went to a Weatherspoons right, for breakfast and had um, a load of uh, cocktails <laughs> and then went into a tattoo parlour and got a tattoo. Um, here it is here. I was that drunk that I bled so much while he was doing my tattoo. He really shouldn't have done my tattoo. Uh, and my friend got a tattoo of like a swallow that was like flying uh, on her like pelvic bone but it looked like the bird was flying away from her vagina <laughs> as if like it had escaped or something like that. It was free. Uh, now, now it's a hidden hearing uh, shop, that tattoo shop, so I'm glad because uh, we were too drunk to tattoo. Um, the other thing I must tell you as well is I'm, I'm wearing a two-piece outfit and uh, I feel very confident in it because I'm a fat girl and like the past two years they've started making stuff for fat women where they can show off a bit or tummy. Um, but I have also got bitten by a mosquito. So, so I put concealer on my tummy today. <laughs> like, I was in the mirror going, it's still there, it's very angry. Um, so I'm going to do a bit for you from my show called Wet. Originally, uh, Wet was going to be about aqua aerobics, because uh, I love aqua aerobics. Uh, has anyone, anyone done aqua aerobics here? <laughs> a few of you, brilliant. That, that, I thought there'd be more now with a feminine. I feel it's a very feminist activity. Like, it's mostly fat women and old people that do it. And they're my favourite people in the world. And when I do it, and when I do um, aqua aerobics, I feel incredible, like, because I'm just trotting around in the water. I feel like a horse, like a racehorse, that like has got injured in a race and my billionaire owner somehow feels a connection with me and doesn't have it in him to kill me. So I'm just being rehabbed as much as I can. Just trotting around going, life is great. Um, but then I got the coil in. So now, uh, has anyone got the coil? Give me a shout. Oh, fantastic. Give me a shout actually who's here on uh, long-term contraception. That's not enough of you, lads. That's, are we a big pull-out city in uh, Newcastle, are we, huh? Let Jesus take it, huh? He can't be there all the time. He's got other stuff to do. Uh, I, had a, I had a pregnancy scare there a little while back. How I got the pregnancy scare was I paid attention to my menstrual cycle. Like, before that, I never, never really, like... Uh, I never had pregnancy scares because I never knew when my period was coming. Um, my friend actually offered me some advice. Um, she told me, she's, she's a friend, she's a comedian, and she's like really someone who I aspire to be like now because she's got a mortgage and stuff like that. So I was asking her, like, how have you changed your life recently? And she said, have you got a period tracker? And I was like, I don't know how this is going to help me get a mortgage, but... <laughs> But I think it could. I think it could help me get a mortgage in a way because, you know, imagine if you're a bank manager and there's two people in front of you asking you for a mortgage. On one seat is, the, is a successful comedian who knows where next period is coming from, right? And then in the other seat is a self-employed clown that's just free bleeding all over the office. <laughs> like, as a bank manager, you would give the mortgage to that person. Like, it's simple economics, like that's the way it is. So <laughs> I had a pregnancy scare. I'll tell you how, um, 
I, I, I bought myself um, the Clear Blue Digital Pregnancy Test, which is the most expensive pregnancy test on the market because I felt if somehow, if I really wanted a result, if I was really passionate about the result, if I put as much money into the test as possible, it would somehow sway the result to the result I wanted. Right, I was financially invested in my future and I really didn't want to be pregnant. Now, uh, the pregnancy test is incredible, the Clear Blue Digital. It has like little emojis on it. It'll tell you how far along pregnant you are. It's the Maserati of pregnancy tests. It's that beautiful that I apologise to it before pissing on it, right? That's how beautiful this pregnancy test is. So I'm pissing on a pregnancy test. I'm having a cry, right? You know, giving it all the moisture I can give. They never put that in the pregnancy test ads, do they, huh? Just some woman crying, going, not today. Not today. Um, so I'm, I'm crying and I'm pissing and I'm thinking, I know how I can improve this pregnancy test, right? What I would do is I would put two little speakers in the pregnancy test with a little soundboard in it, right? The technology is there. I've looked it up. I haven't patented it yet, so please uh, withhold yourselves. <laughs> Let me have my time to do this. But I think, um, I think what would happen is when you start pissing on the pregnancy test for the soundboard just to switch on and the two speakers to switch on, and when you're pissing, it goes... And then when you're finished pissing, it goes. I'll be brilliant. It'd be brilliant because it would just break the tension. Do you know what I mean? If you if you can laugh while having a pregnancy test, you're going to be fine with whatever result you get, right? You'll be able to sort it. So I decided I was going to get myself on the coil, right? Now, um, for people that have the coil, I'll tell you there are two different coils. There's um, one is the copper coil. Side effects of that include heavier periods, right? And the other coil is the hormonal coil. Now, the side effects of that include suicidal ideation. Uh, so it's quite the choice you're given <laughs> when you have to make that choice. And, um, well, I looked at that and I thought, look, Alison, you've been a fan of The Cure and The Smiths and Papa Roach and My Chemical Romance when you were a young girl. A little bit of suicidal ideation, what is it? You know, better the devil you know, right? <laughs> so I was like, okay. <laughs> I went in and got myself the hormonal coil. Now I'm going to talk to you in minute detail about the insertion process, right? <laughs> First off, location is key, right? I got my coil inserted above a little in Archway in London. <laughs> which is every little girl's dream of her first coil. It's like, I wonder what it'll be like, right? And I walked up the stairs into the room where they were going to insert the coil. There were two people there. There was a, there was a doctor and a nurse. And then a third person came in and I was like, who's she? And the nurse said, this is a student nurse. She's just going to be following me and shadowing me. Is that okay? I was like, yeah, yeah, no problem. So... I'm laying back on a trolley, got my two legs up in stirrups. I got my Bridgerton skirt on, right? Which is uh, long and flowy, but very easy access, which is good for gynecological appointments, right? So I'm laying back, and uh, the doctor puts a thing inside me called a speculum. Now, if you don't know what a speculum is, it's a piece of medical-grade equipment designed to prise your vagina walls apart to give the doctor room to work with, Right? It's like a car jack for your puss, right? That's what it is. So 
So the doctor puts that inside me and the nurse is talking to me. She's fantastic. She says, what are you listening to there on your phone? I said, well, I watched a documentary about Trojan Records and now I'm listening to the soundtrack. And the nurse goes, I'm from Jamaica. That's a great record company. And we get chatting just generally about Jamaican music and she's amazing. She could be like at a dinner party or something like that. She was great at chatting. But it was a part of me going like, why, why is she chatting so much? And I heard this noise, and it's a noise you never want to hear in any procedure, especially one involving your vagina, right? And that was this. <laughs> and I was like, what's going on? What's going on? But I didn't want to say anything because I wanted the professionals to keep going. I felt like I couldn't get involved in any way. And then I heard another noise, a noise you never want to hear at any procedure, and in any way, never mind one involving your vagina, and that was a crunch, right? And I was like, what's going on? What's going on? But I didn't say anything, you know, because I was like, leave it, leave it. And then I heard this noise, a noise you just never want to hear near your vagina, procedure or otherwise. And that was, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and then at that point, I was like, excuse me, excuse me, what's going on? What's going on? So the doctor popped up her head and she said, I'm sorry, Miss Bittle, this has never happened before. And I'm like, what? What's after happening? What's after happening? And she said, you've broken the speculum. <laughs> what? <laughs> I've broken the speculum. I've broken a piece of medically grade equipment designed to prise my vagina apart. And I've shattered it into several pieces. I was like, is this my X-Men's origin story, huh? <laughs> is this how I find out? I wanted something to attack London right there and there I did. Like Godzilla, aliens, I didn't care, right? I wanted to go outside beside the police with my trousers down going, I am ready. Let me at them, lads. I'll sort this. I wanted to text my boyfriend and go, you're a very lucky man. A very, very lucky man, right? So, there's no other way to describe the next bit, but the doctor cleared away the debris, right? <laughs> and rebuilt and tried again. And uh, this time, like, I, I, when I was getting the coil actually inserted, it was the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. I was screaming, I was crying, I felt contractions. And the nurse was talking to me, going, look at me, Alison, talk to me, talk to me. And I realised that's why the nurse was there. She was basically MC in a torture session, right? <laughs> that was her job. And she was doing a great job. Just, Alison, the student nurse needs to learn to do what I'm doing. Is it okay if she fills in for me now? Is it okay if she steps in? And I'm like, yes! Let her learn, let her learn! <laughs> So the student nurse comes up and I'm screaming and I'm crying. The student nurse is like, <sighs> and I'm like, ah, ah, ah. And the nurse goes, do you like the seaside? <laughs> I was like, yes, I like the seaside. <laughs> I don't know what was worse, the actual pain of my ovaries or the shit small talk. Like, I couldn't take it. I couldn't take it. Um, and then about, you know, but I, you know, I got the coil in and I was delighted with myself. About a week later, I downloaded The Sims, right? Which was a bad sign for my mental health and I should have called the NHS up straight away. 
I should have, like, I was, I was killing all the Sims, right? And um, that I got suicidal ideation, never had it before. Thought I did when I was a teenager, but that was definite cosplay. Like, this was, if you, I was, I was definitely cosplaying as someone with suicidal ideation. So I called up the NHS and they were like, hello, NHS, how may I help you? I was like, hello, yeah, I think this coil is not agreeing with me. I need to get it out. Okay, yeah, no problem. Just looking here. It's going to be about seven months. There's a seven-month waiting list at the moment. Oh, okay. Um, does it change things if I tell you I want to kill myself? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that does happen. That does happen, right? The clicking got a bit more intense, right? She goes, oh, look, we got an appointment for you tomorrow, right? <laughs> so there's a little life hack for you there um, <laughs> while dealing with the NHS. Uh, but you can't do it for dentistry, I've tried, and they really don't like it. Um, guys, you've been so lovely. I hope you have a wonderful evening, and it's wonderful to be in Newcastle. Like, just have a fucking great time tonight, all right? I'll see you, everyone. Bye! Alison Spittle, everybody! Do not miss her Edinburgh show. You and Alison will be hanging out in the performers' bars, Izzy. It's going to be great. Is it your first Edinburgh? Okay, you did it when you were a student? Uh, no, when I was 17. Okay. That, we, that, that sounds like a student. You don't have to have been a student at 17. But you guess you were. What were you doing? Uh, at college, I would have been... Yeah, so you're a student. Yeah. Well, I'm very excited. I'm very excited to hear that. Um, has anybody, can I ask got a small act of feminism that won't intimidate anybody else. Because these two in the front are doing the Lord's work in such a way that I feel others might be intimidated. Too high a bar to clear. And also we've got, you know, sexual health, female physics, you know, so on and so on. Has anyone, got, has anyone done a minor act of feminism that will make others feel good about themselves? Like, yeah, I could do better than that. Yes? What's yours? Sorry, on holiday in Poland, you told a stag night to shut the fuck up. <laughs> they were being really noisy in a restaurant. They were ignoring the waitress who was telling them to be quiet. And other families and children were being disturbed by the stag night. So you got up out of your seat, you went over, you stood over them and you went, shut the fuck up. <laughs> And then you turned around silently, walked back to your table, didn't look back. Did they, in fact, shut the fuck up? Yes! yes! Come on! On that note, do you want to see your second comedian? Yeah! Then please put your hands together and make incredible woohooing noises for the brand new Best Newcomer Chortle Awards. I reckon she's probably going to win the Best Newcomer at the Edinburgh Festival this year. It's the incredible Celia A.B. It's lovely being here. My name is Celia. I'm from Paris. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> um, I did a really quirky thing, though. Don't worry about it. I'm not, I'm not too good for this. Because I moved from Paris to Birmingham, willingly. 
Oops. <laughs> uh, moved from Paris to Birmingham. I've been in the UK for close to eight years. Um, I've been doing stand-up for five years. And for the longest time, um, I didn't want to speak about the fact that I was French because I didn't want to be one of those comedians that's like, you guys are like this and we're like that. Uh, but it turns out that you guys are like this. <laughs> and we are like that. Uh, so I wrote a bit about being French. <laughs> are you excited? Yeah. I moved to England because I loved British comedy. I loved the culture. I loved everything about it. And I was so excited when I moved here to meet everybody. Um, and I was really expecting everyone to be friendly. <laughs> and you're not. <laughs> You're not. And there's no easy way of saying this. Um, I think that you guys think about the French way more than we think about you. <laughs> Just little things, little things. Like, I think you have a, the word that you use to describe the French, and I hope I'm saying that right, is um, arrogant wankers. Was that... <laughs> that makes sense? I find it hard to be French in the UK, because everything I did when I first moved was seen as obnoxious and arrogant and French. Uh, once I said the word croissant properly, everyone lost their mind. <laughs> they said, say it wrong or don't say it at all. <laughs> I really wanted to move here. I'm fascinated with Britishness. I really am. I really am, because what I'm trying to understand is how you went from colonizing the entire world to saying things like, sorry, can I squeeze past? <laughs> you went from pillaging the entire world to now if an alcoholic drink is a bit sweet, you say, that is dangerous. <laughs> I know some of you are sitting here thinking, wait, you're French. The French are as bad as the British when it comes to colonization. You're as bad. I'm half Algerian, you can't hurt me. <laughs> I'm half a colonizer and half a colonizer. <laughs> it depends how you see the glass. <laughs> Dangerous. <laughs> the reason I moved to Birmingham, by the way, is because on day one, I saw the funniest thing I've seen in my entire life at New Street Station. Uh, he was a really drunk man. He was scooched over, singing... She's electric. <laughs> to a vending machine. <laughs> That's when I knew. <laughs> I, um, I'm 27 this year, and uh, I grew up watching a lot of, like, you know those American films, like prom films, from the late 90s? early 2000s. And I think he did something to my brain where, do you know the type of girl that's like, I'm not like the other girls? <laughs> do you know those types of women? They're called Pick Me now. It's got a name. It's not a new thing, though. It's not a new thing. Like, I'm sure in the Victorian times there was probably a woman going, I just hate voting. <laughs> not for me. <laughs> but a Pick Me girl is that the type of women that will traditionally throw women under the bus for male attention. And I think that is fine. <laughs> I think not all the time, but as a one-off, I think it's... <laughs> I think it's more feminist to allow me to throw you all under the bus <laughs> for a shag. <laughs> 
than it is to try and have me get laid with feminist literature. That's too hard. <laughs> and by all means, throw me under the bus. That's the kind of feminism I want. <laughs> Women throwing each other under the bus. <laughs> That's what I want. A pick-me girl, she's crazy. She'll do crazy things like eat an entire pizza. <laughs> I think it's weird that when you eat an entire pizza, you're chill, but you eat one entire quiche. <laughs> And then your whole life, your quiche lady. <laughs> and every room you walk in, there she is. Lorraine. I'm interested in that, I'm not like the other girls. Uh, I've got a tote bag. You got a tote bag? Tote bag? Tote bag. <laughs> Love a tote bag. I've got very, my, my experience of shopping with a tote bag changes depending on what I'm buying. So if my tote bag, if I'm just buying fruits and vegetables, I'm like, hello. <laughs> Who is she? <laughs> She's so skinny. <laughs> she probably wears cardigans that fall off her shoulder in the summer. <laughs> Just her, her pepper and the summer breeze. <laughs> but if I'm buying meat, like raw meat, and I put that in my tote bag, I'm like, I'm a little goblin. <laughs> mm. I'm going to eat this raw on the bus. <laughs> and shout at children. <laughs> I've acclimated to Britishness. I have. I have. Um, I'm trying to get into football. I hate it. <laughs> hate football. Uh, the reason I'm trying to get into football is uh, for attention. <laughs> I've got a really good way of pretending that you know about football if you don't, is this sentence. What a year for them. So ambiguous, right? <laughs> what a year for them. The reason I'm trying to get into football, by the way, is because I met this boy and he told me that um, he could have gone professional, <laughs> but he injured his knee. And I believed him. <laughs> I think it's amazing the amount of almost professional footballers <laughs> who end up in all bar one. Like that's... <laughs> the numbers on that are incredible. The numbers of, I think, to the point where football teams should recruit backwards. <laughs> so if a young boy starts showing interest in, like, bottomless brunch, <laughs> get him trained up <laughs> and get insurance on his knees, because that boy is going to be a star. <laughs> I've been in the UK long enough. I've been here long enough that I'm too polite now. And it's all fake. <laughs> I know it's all fake. And I've gone too far, like I've ended my wheel with, honestly, no worries if not. <laughs> but I can do a pretty good impression of a British person. Do you want to see it? Yeah. yeah. I'll start over there because this is theatre.
Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry, can I just squeeze past? That was a British person being born. <laughs> Thank you very much. You've been adequate. He's coming. <laughs> Everybody! I was so ready, Kevin. So ready. So ready. Um, did you enjoy Sally Ray B? Yeah. And we're all going to have to go to the Edinburgh Festival because that's the third act you've seen who's going to be at the Edinburgh Festival. Guilty Firmness is on the last weekend. We've obviously all got to see Fanny. And we've all got to see Alison, and we've all got to see Sally Ray B. Anyone else going to the Edinburgh Festival? Yes? Are you going to perform? Or watch? Okay, well, you've got a full dance card at this point. Um, anybody else got a mini act of feminism to tell us about? The smaller, the better. Doesn't have to be a good one. In fact, we would prefer it not to be. We'd prefer it to be manageable. Yes, go on. You went to Dublin, you went to the Dublin Zoo. Yeah. There was a child on his own. Yeah. You were like, he's not with anyone. And you made sure he got home safe. How old was he? Like two. Two? I don't talk to two year olds. Okay. This isn't as funny as I thought it was going to be. A two year old was abandoned at a zoo. Are you sure it wasn't a chimp? did a two-year-old end up alone at a zoo? I thought you meant like a ten-year-old who'd bunked off school and just like wandering around a zoo. That's, I, why, I was confused. that's why you were confused, yeah. Did this happen? Yes. Two-year-old yes. at the zoo. Yes. How did, did you ever find out what happened? Um, well, so I found the guy who was meant to be finding him. You found the guy who was meant to be finding him? Yes. So I was doing the job for the zoo people. Oh, the zoo people yeah. were meant to be. But the parents had gone home. Oh, they were still there. So this story is really a child got lost at the zoo. The parents were there going, where's little Andy? And you were like, he's there. <laughs> Would we call this an act of feminism? I think this is a sort of act of human kindness, but also had you walked on, there'd be something wrong. I think if an 18 months old is like, and you go, oh, I haven't got time. I think, I think the bare minimum is you report it. But listen, we did ask for a small act. And it would have been an unfeminist act to keep walking. The parents must have been beside themselves. Did they give you a large reward slash thank you? No. I mean, I wouldn't take a reward, to be honest. But you thought they'd give you a pint of Guinness? Because it was in Dublin. And the parents... A shoot. But the parents didn't even bother to take her to the pub at 11am and ply her with Guinness because they were too worried about being reunited with their toddler. Come on, Ireland. Um, did you steal this child to get Guinness? This is now what we're wondering. I need to call what's in the room. So I had a friend, like, I was asking other people around me and they thought it was my child because we had the same hair colour. Oh, Okay. 
They thought it was your child because you had the same hair colour. Did you deny that? Did you say, no, it's not my child? Or did you go... Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I hope that that child is back with the parents. Excellent, great. A happy ending! So that was the first half. Join us for part two, which should be in your feed right now.